Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Baruch Shem Kehud Malkuto Le'olam Va'ed Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of His kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Today is Tuesday, July 4th. In Revelation 1.8, Yeshua says of himself, I am the Alpha and Omega, the Aleph and Tav, the beginning and the ending, says the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Did you know that if you read Genesis 1.1 in Hebrew, there is an Aleph Tav right smack dab in the middle of that verse? Truly, Yeshua, the Aleph Tav, is there in the beginning and the end. So, if you were reading your Bible in Hebrew, whenever you come across Aleph Tav, this is a direct reference to Yeshua. The acronym for Daily Audio Torah is D-A-T. In Hebrew, that is Dalit Aleph Tav. When you unpack that in the ancient Hebrew picture language, what it means is this, Doorway to the Aleph Tav. The Daily Audio Torah is your doorway to the Aleph Tav, your doorway to Yeshua. Are you being blessed by this ministry? Please consider supporting Daily Audio Torah. You can make a one-time or a recurring donation by going to dailyaudiotorah.com and then click on the Give pick on the navigation menu. You can then make a secure online donation there. Thank you for your prayers, and thank you for your support. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the New Living Translation for the Hebrew Scriptures and for the Brit Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Pinchas. Numbers 26, 33-65 One of Heifer's descendants, Zelophehad, had no sons, but his daughter's names were Mala, Noah, Hagla, Milcah, and Terza. These were the clans of Manasseh. Their registered troops numbered 52,700. The tribe of Ephraim. These were the clans descended from the sons of Ephraim. The Shuthalite clan, named after their ancestor Shuthala. The Becherite clan, named after their ancestor Becher. The Tahanite clan, named after their ancestor Tahan. This was the subclan descended from the Shulathites, the Aaronites named after their ancestor Aran. These were the clans of Ephraim. Their registered troops numbered 32,500. These clans of Manasseh and Ephraim were all descendants of Joseph. These were the clans descended from the sons of Benjamin, the Belaite clan named after their ancestor Bela, the Ashbelite clan named after their ancestor Ashbel, the Ahrimathite clan, named after their ancestor Ahiram, the Shufamite clan, named after their ancestor Shufam, the Humamite clan, named after their ancestor Hufam, 
These were the subclans descended from the Belaites, the Ardites, named after their ancestor Ard, the Namites, named after their ancestor Naaman. These were the clans of Benjamin. Their registered troops numbered 45,600. The tribe of Dan. These were the clans descended from the sons of Dan, the Shuhamite clan named after their ancestor Shuham. These were the Shuhamite clans of Dan. Their registered troops numbered 64,400. The tribe of Asher. These were the clans descended from the sons of Asher, the Imnite clan named after their ancestor Imna, the Ishvite clan named after their ancestor Ishvi, the Bariite clan named after their ancestor Bariah. These were the subclans descended from the Baraites, the Heberites named after their ancestor Heber, the Malkielites named after their ancestor Malkiel. Asher also had a daughter named Sarah. These were the clans of Asher. Their registered troops numbered 53,400. The tribe of Naphtali. These were the clans descended from the sons of Naphtali. The Jazielite clan, named after their ancestor Jaziel. The Gunite clan, named after their ancestor Guni. The Jezerite clan, named after their ancestor Jezer. The Shilamite clan, named after their ancestor Shilam. These were the clans of Naphtali. Their registered troops numbered 45,400. Results of the Registration In summary, the registered troops of all Israel numbered 601,730. Then the Lord said to Moses, Divide the land among the tribes, and distribute the grants of land in proportion to the tribes' populations, as indicated by the number of names on the list. Give the larger tribes more land, and the smaller tribes less land, each group receiving a grant in proportion to the size of its population. But you must assign the land by lot, and give land to each ancestral tribe according to the number of names on the list. Each grant of land must be assigned by lot among the larger and smaller group tribes. The Tribe of Levi This is the record of the Levites who were counted according to their clans. The Gershonite clan, named after their ancestor Gershon. The Kohathite clan, named after their ancestor Kohath. The Merarite clan, named after their ancestor Merari. The Libnites, the Hebronites, the Malites, the Mushites, and the Korahites were all sub-clans of the Levites. Now Kohath was the ancestor of Amram, and Amram's wife was named Jochebed. She also was a descendant of Levi born among the Levites in the land of Egypt. Amram and Jochebed became the parents of Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. To Aaron were born Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. But Nadab and Abihu died when they burned before the Lord the wrong kind of fire, different than he had commanded. The men from the Levite clans who were one month old or older numbered 23,000. But the Levites were not included in the registration of the rest of the people of Israel, because they were not given an allotment of land when it was divided among the Israelites. 
So these are the results of the registration of the people of Israel, as conducted by Moses and Eleazar the priest on the plains of Moab, beside the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Not one person on this list had been among those listed in the previous registration taken by Moses and Aaron in the wilderness of Sinai. For the Lord had said of them, They will all die in the wilderness. Not one of them survived, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Second Kings 23, 31-25-30 Jehoahaz was twenty-three years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. Pharaoh Necho put Jehoahaz in prison at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, to prevent him from ruling in Jerusalem. He also demanded that Judah pay 7,500 pounds of silver and 75 pounds of gold as tribute. Pharaoh Necho then installed Eliakim, another of Josiah's sons, to reign in place of his father, and he changed Eliakim's name to Jehoiakim. Jehoahaz was taken to Egypt as a prisoner where he died. In order to get the silver and gold demanded as tribute by Pharaoh Necho, Jehoiakim collected a tax from the people of Judah, requiring them to pay in proportion to their wealth. Jehoiakim was twenty-five years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem eleven years. His mother was Zebedah, the daughter of Padiah from Rumah. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his ancestors had done. During Jehoiakim's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon invaded the land of Judah. Jehoiakim surrendered and paid him tribute for three years, but then rebelled. Then the Lord sent hands bands of Babylonian, Aramean, Moabite, and Ammonite raiders against Judah to destroy it, just as the Lord had promised through his prophets. These disasters happened to Judah because of the Lord's command. He had decided to banish Judah from his presence because of the many sins of Manasseh, who had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. The Lord would not forgive this. The rest of the events in Jehoiakim's reign and all his deeds are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. When Jehoiakim died, his son Jehoiakim became the next king. The king of Egypt did not venture out of his country after that, for the king of Babylon captured the entire area formerly claimed by Egypt, from the brook of Egypt to the Euphrates River. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem three months. His mother was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan from Jerusalem. Jehoiakim did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as his father had done. During Jehoiakim's reign, the officials of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came up against Jerusalem and besieged it. Nebuchadnezzar himself arrived at the city during the siege. Then King Jehoiakim, along with the queen mother, his advisors, his commanders, and his officials, surrendered to the Babylonians. In the eighth year 
of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he took Jehoiakim prisoner. As the Lord had said beforehand, Nebuchadnezzar carried away all the treasures from the Lord's temple and all the royal palace. He stripped away all the gold objects that King Solomon of Israel had placed in the temple. King Nebuchadnezzar took all of Jerusalem captive, including all the commanders and the best of the soldiers, craftsmen, and artisans, 10,000 in all. Only the poorest people were left in the land. Nebuchadnezzar led King Jehoiakim away as a captive to Babylon, along with the queen mother, his wives and officials, and all Jerusalem's elite. He also exiled 7,000 of the best troops and 1,000 craftsmen and artisans, all of whom were strong and fit for war. Then the king of Babylon installed Madaniah, Jehoiakim's uncle, as the next king, and he changed Madaniah's name to Zedekiah. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 11 years. His mother was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. But Zedekiah did what was evil in the Lord's sight, just as Jehoiakim had done. These things happened because of the Lord's anger against the people of Jerusalem and Judah, until he finally banished them from his presence and sent them into exile. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylon. So on January 15th, during the ninth year of Zedekiah's reign, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon led his entire army against Jerusalem. They surrounded the city and built siege ramps against its walls. Jerusalem was kept under siege until the eleventh year of King Zedekiah's reign. By July 18th, in the eleventh year of Zedekiah's reign, the famine in the city had become very severe, and the last of the food was entirely gone. Then a section of the city wall was broken down. Since the city was surrounded by the Babylonians, the soldiers waited for nightfall and escaped through the gate between the two walls behind the king's garden. Then they headed toward the Jordan Valley. But the Babylonian troops chased the king and overtook him on the plains of Jericho, for his men had all deserted him and scattered. They captured the king and took him to the king of Babylon at Riblah, where they pronounced judgment upon Zedekiah. They made Zedekiah watch as they slaughtered his sons. Then they gouged out Zedekiah's eyes, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. On August 14th of that year, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, and an official of the Babylonian king arrived in Jerusalem. He burned down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace, and all the houses of Jerusalem. He destroyed all the important buildings in the city. Then he supervised the entire Babylonian army as they tore down the walls of Jerusalem on every side. Then Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took as exiles the rest of the people who remained in the city, the defectors who had declared their allegiance to the king of Babylon, and the rest of the population. But the captain of the guard allowed some of the poorest people to stay behind to care for the vineyards and fields. 
The Babylonians broke up the bronze pillars in front of the Lord's temple, the bronze water carts, and the great bronze basin called the sea, and they carried all the bronze away to Babylon. They also took all the ash buckets, shovels, lamp snuffers, ladles, and all the other bronze articles used for making sacrifices at the temple. The captain of the guard also took the incense burners and basins and all the other articles made of pure gold or silver. The weight of the bronze from the two pillars, the sea, and the water carts was too great to be measured. These things have been made for the Lord's temple in the days of Solomon. Each of the pillars was twenty-seven feet tall. The bronze capital on top of each pillar was seven and a half feet high and was decorated with a network of bronze pomegranates all the way around. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took with him as prisoners Sariah the high priest, Zephaniah the priest of the second rank, and three chief gatekeepers. And from among the people still hiding in the city, he took an officer who had been in charge of the Judean army, five of the king's personal advisers, the army commander's chief secretary who was in charge of recruitment, and sixty other citizens. Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, took them all to the king of Babylon at Riblah. And there at Riblah, in the land of Hamath, the king of Babylon had them all put to death. So the people of Judah were sent into exile from their land. Then King Nebuchadnezzar appointed Gedaliah, son of Ahikam, and grandson of Shaphan, as governor over the people he had left in Judah. When all the army commanders and their men learned that the king of Babylon had appointed Gedaliah as governor, they went to see him at Mizpah. These included Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, Johanan, son of Kareah, Sariah, son of Tanhumath, the Netophite, Jezaniah, son of the Machathite, and all their men. Gedaliah vowed to them that the Babylonian officials meant them no harm. Don't be afraid of them. Live in the land and serve the king of Babylon, and all will go well for you, he promised. But in mid-autumn of that year, Ishmael, son of Nethaniah, and grandson of Elishama, who was a member of the royal family, went to Mizpah with ten men and killed Gedaliah. He also killed all the Judeans and Babylonians who were with him at Mizpah. Then all the people of Judah, from the least to the greatest, as well as the army commanders, fled in panic to Egypt, for they were afraid of what the Babylonians would do to them. In the thirty-seventh year of the exile of King Jehoiakim of Judah, evil Merodach ascended to the Babylonian throne. He was kind to Jehoiakim and released him from prison on April 2nd of that year. He spoke kindly to Jehoiakim and gave him a higher place than all the other exiled kings in Babylon. He supplied Jehoiakim with new clothes to replace his prison garb and allowed him to dine in the king's presence for the rest of his life. So the king gave a regular food allowance as long as he lived. Acts 22:17-23:10. After I, Paul, returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple and fell into a trance. I saw a vision of Yeshua saying to me, Hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. 
But Lord, I argue, they certainly know that in every synagogue I am imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And I was in complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. But the Lord said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. Then they all began to shout, Away with such a fellow! He isn't fit to live! They yelled and threw off their coats and tossed handfuls of dust into the air. The commander brought Paul inside and ordered him lashed with whips to make him confess his crime. He wanted to find out why the crowd had become so furious. When they tied Paul down to lash him, Paul said to the officer standing there, Is it legal for you to whip a Roman citizen who hasn't even been tried? When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, What are you doing? This man is a Roman citizen. So the commander went over and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? Yes, I certainly am, Paul replied. I am too, the commander muttered, and it cost me plenty. Paul answered, But I am a citizen by birth. The the soldiers who were about to interrogate Paul quickly withdrew when they heard he was a Roman citizen. And the commander was frightened because he had ordered him bound and whipped. The next day the commander ordered the leading priests into session with the Jewish high council. He wanted to find out what the trouble was all about, so he released Paul to have him stand before them. Gazing intently at the high council, Paul began, Brothers, I have always lived before God with a clear conscience. Instantly, Ananias the high priest commanded those close to Paul to slap him on the mouth. But Paul said to him, God will slap you, you corrupt hypocrite. What kind of judge are you to break the law yourself by ordering me struck like that? Those standing near Paul said to him, Do you dare to insult God's high priest? I'm sorry, brothers, I didn't realize he was the high priest, Paul replied, for the scriptures say, You must not speak evil of any of your rulers. Paul realized that some members of the high council were Sadducees and some were Pharisees. So he shouted, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, as were my ancestors, and I am on trial because my hope is in the resurrection of the dead. This divided the council, the Pharisees, against the Sadducees, for the Sadducees say there is no resurrection, or angels, or spirits. But the Pharisees believe in all of this. So there was a great uproar. Some of the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, jumped up and began to argue forcefully. We see nothing wrong with him, they shouted. Perhaps a spirit or an angel spoke to him. As the conflict grew more violent, the commander was afraid they would tear Paul apart. So he ordered his soldiers to go and rescue him by force and take him back to the fortress. Psalm 2, 1-12 Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. 
For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear, and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal Son, or He will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. For His anger flares up in an instant, but what joy for all who take refuge in Him. Proverbs 18.13 Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I want to speak to you today from our reading from 2 Kings 23-25, through 25, and then I want to jump into Psalm 2. So in 2 Kings, in these chapters that we read today, we see Jerusalem falls. And under the leadership of King Nebuchadnezzar, they put the city under siege, starting January. And then by July 18th, the famine in the city had become very, very severe. And on August the 14th, which was the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar's reign, they broke through the walls and he burnt down the temple of the Lord, the royal palace and all the houses of Jerusalem. Now this date is extremely significant, especially in Jewish history. The date that that happened was on the 9th of Av. And on the 9th of Av, this day seems to be a day of grief and sorrow and mourning and cursing and even judgment upon the Jewish people. And it all started when the the ten spies came back with a negative report concerning the promised land. And they sowed uh, fear, doubt, and unbelief throughout the camp. And so because of that, the Lord's judgment upon them was to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. And it wasn't until their children grew up that the children were able to go into the land and none of the parents went into the land. So that began the Ninth of Av saga. And then many other things throughout Jew- Jewish history, terrible, terrible things have happened on the Ninth of Av. The first temple was burned and destroyed on the Ninth of Av. The second temple, built by Herod in 70 AD, was destroyed on the Ninth of Av by the Roman general Titus and his army. It was on the ninth of Av that the final solution to the Jewish problem was put forward and approved by the Nazis. It was on the ninth of Av that Treblinka opened its doors and began to incinerate and murder the Jewish people. It was on the tenth of Av that the Gaza Strip eviction occurred and all the Jewish people were evicted out of the Gaza Strip. It was originally scheduled for the 9th of Av, and they realized, oops, we better not do it on that day, so they pushed it out one more day. And so many terrible things have happened on this day, but there is a prophecy 
in Zechariah that talks about how that one day, this day is going to become a day of rejoicing and blessing for the Jewish people. Let's look at that together. In Zechariah chapter 8, starting in verse 19, well, we'll start in verse 18. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Savayot, the fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth will be joy and gladness and cheerful feasts for the house of Judah. Therefore, love, truth, and peace. And I'm going to continue, but I'm going to hit the pause button. Now, on the ninth of Av, for Hundreds and hundreds of years on that day, the Jewish people fast and they mourn and they grieve and they pray and they rehearse and they remember all of the terrible things that have been done against them um, on this terrible day. They mourn over the de destruction of the first and the second temple and they read the book of Lamentations, but they also remember the Holocaust. And they remember Treblinka, and they remember um, the Crusades, and all the terrible things that have been done against the Jewish people in the name of Christianity by our church forefathers. And so most Christians have no idea of our black and bloody history concerning how we have treated the Jewish people throughout the centuries. There is a dark basement in the church building, so to speak. And in that dark basement, if you go down the stairs and look, if you turn the lights on, there's a torture chamber down there. And horrible, terrible things have been done against the Jewish people throughout history by our church forefathers. And so um, there's a really awesome ministry. It's called the Nation's Ninth of Av. And I was involved for a couple of years with them when they first got started. They're still going. And what they do is every year on the 9th of Av, and this year the 9th of Av is on July the 27th, I believe. Let me look. Yes, the 9th of Av begins at sundown on the 26th and ends at sundown on the 27th of July. And every year it's usually in late July or sometime in mid-August. Anyway, they get to the very first time they got together, they called a gathering, a prayer gathering, a solemn assembly, and Christians from many denominations from all over the nations came to Jerusalem and we prayed prayers of repentance. That was in um on the 9th of Av of 2019. We spent the whole day praying prayers of repentance over the sins of our church forefathers. And let me tell you this really was a huge blessing to the Jewish people who were in support of what we were doing. It began to take down some of the walls. It began to melt their hearts as we took responsibility for the sins of our forefathers and repented of them. This did much to repair the breach and to take down the wall of separation between Jews and Christians and to actually build a bridge between us. So this is very scriptural, what we did. Um, let me finish Zechariah 8, and then we're going to look at one other scripture. Zechariah 8. So the ninth of Av is one of those fasts. 
So I'm going to start again at verse 19. Thus says the Lord of hosts, The fast of the fourth month, the fast of the fifth, the fast of the seventh, and the fast of the tenth shall be joy and gladness and cheerful feasts for who? For the house of Judah, that is the Jewish people. Therefore love truth and peace. Thus says, so in other words, God says he's going to flip it. Instead of it being a day of mourning and sorrow and grief, it's going to become a day of joy. Verse 20, thus says the Lord of hosts, peoples shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities. The inhabitants of one city shall go to another saying, let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts. I myself will also go. Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts, Yahweh Saviot, where? In Jerusalem, and to pray before the Lord. So literally, that first gathering in 2019 of the nation's ninth of Ava, Christians coming from all over the world to pray, that was a fulfillment of this scripture in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 22. Peoples from strong nations shall come to seek the Lord in Jerusalem and pray before the Lord. Verse 23, thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, 10 men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So, some of you may be thinking, well, why do I need to repent for th- something that happened centuries ago? I didn't commit that sin. That wasn't something I was involved with. Well, there is scriptural basis for repenting for the sins of our forefathers. This can be found in Leviticus chapter 26, starting in verse, um, well, I'll start in verse 39. And they that are left of you shall pine away in their iniquity in your enemies' lands, and also in the iniquities of their fathers shall they pine away with them. So here they are in exile, pining away in exile. And that's what we read about today, is how Nebuchadnezzar came and, you know, bashed through the walls of Jerusalem, burned down the temple, and took most of the people away to exile. This is how you break that curse. Verse 40. If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers. Now, this can be our church forefathers. People like Martin Luther, who wrote a book at the end of his life called On the Jews and Their Lies, where he wrote about the Jewish people. We should burn down their synagogues, burn their Torah scrolls, bash their windows, kick them out of town, not allow them to work. And you know what? That was written in the 1400s. 400 years later, the Nazis loved Martin Luther. They read his book on the Jews and their lies widely and circulated it. And then on November the 9th, 1937, it's called Kristallnacht, the Night of Broken Glass. And a whole bunch of Nazis went out and smashed. They did what those words were saying in what Martin Luther wrote. They did it. They put it into action. They broke... They uh, destroyed synagogues, burned them down, broke the windows of their businesses, burned up their Torah scrolls, evicted them, kicked them out. They did all those things. And you know what? November 9, 1937, that was Martin Luther's birthday. They did it in honor of Martin Luther. Now, I know he did a lot of good. He got the Bible 
translate it into the common language of the people. And he brought about the Reformation. So he did many good things, but he hated the Jewish people. And he was into replacement theology. And that mindset and thinking leads to very evil fruit. And so that's just one church forefather. There's many, many others. And you can read about it in um, the book, The List, um, A History of Christian Persecution Against Jewish People Throughout History. It's a very good book. And you can find that on the Nations Ninth Avav website. The website is the number 9-av.com. That is the number 9-av.com. And then click on the store and you'll see that book. So. Let me read that verse again and continue on. If they shall confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers. Again, go get that book and learn about the dark basement. There's a dark history of the church that most of us don't even know about. And the iniquity of their fathers with their trespass, which they trespassed against me and that they also have walked contrary to me. And that I also have walked contrary to them and have brought them into the land of their enemies. If then their uncircumcised hearts are humbled, and they then accept the punishment of their iniquity. And what was the punishment? They were evicted. They were ejected. They were living in exile in the land of their enemies. He says, if you confess and you repent, and you take responsibility, then, verse 42, will I remember my covenant with Jacob and my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham will I remember and I will remember the land. So what was that covenant? God said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you see this land? I'm going to give this to your descendants, your spiritual descendants, and you're going to have this land. And for a season, The southern kingdom lived in exile for 70 years in Babylon, and then a remnant of Jews returned. That was the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was taken into exile by the Assyrians, and they never returned. That's the non-Jewish part of the nation of Israel. That would be you and me, my friend. The ten tribes of the north, they got assimilated into Assyria and then scattered to all the nations of the earth. And quite literally, we are committing the same sins that Israel did just prior to when they were attacked by Babylon and then they went into exile. We're committing the very same sins. We're now living in the land of our enemies and America has fallen. The Republic has fallen. So this curse can be broken through repentance prayers, through a a 180, a change. So Let us learn from the history of Israel and not walk in their same sins and same mistakes. God was, he hated, he he detested the abominations that they got into, the worship of false gods, the sacrifice of babies to the god Molech and to the god of Baal, um, which today's equivalent is abortion. And He hated all this detestable idolatry and sin. And so because of that, they ended up going into exile and they were under attack from foreign enemies. This could very well happen to America. Let's jump into uh, Psalm chapter 2. And 
this psalm, I think, is very relevant to what we're seeing in the nations today. It says, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle, and the rulers plot together against the Lord and are against his anointed one. So we see this World Economic Forum led by Klaus Schwab. We see people like Noah Yuval Harari, who is the mentor to people like Klaus Schwab and um, Bill Gates. And we hear Noah Yuval Harari talking about artificial intelligence and that AI has the ability and is going to rewrite the Bible and correct it and make it better. And in fact, recently, a church service was conducted over in Germany, and it was all conducted by AI. The sermon, the worship, everything. And Noah Yuval Harari has said, oh, you know, right now, we scientists, we we have the ability to uh, create new life, transgenderism. You know, we can make robots, and they're smarter than people, and we can do better than what God did. We can do transgenderism and put the uh, neural link into a human mind, and then that person can can link up directly to the computer and have all the knowledge of that computer from the cloud. And we can do better than what God did. And so he's ba- we can become like gods and and create life in a, that's superior to what God creates. And so this is evil. It's satanic. And basically, they want to wipe out the name of God, the name of the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Yodhevavhe, Yeshua. They want to wipe that name off of the planet. And they want to basically, the new gods of today are really not new gods. They're ancient gods, the gods of Asherah and Baal and Molech. They've just been given a new coat of paint. And so now they want us to worship the God of science, put our faith in science, people like Fauci, who are fake frauds. And um, they want us to put our faith in um, technocrats, the big tech corporate leaders that are giving us all of this artificial intelligence and, and censorship and surveillance and all this because they're, they're grabbing a hold of power because Knowledge and information is power. That's the new currency of power, is information. And if you can get this data, all of this data about, you know, Noah Yuval Harari said, we will know you better than you know yourself. We'll have so much data on you with facial recognition and tone of voice and facial expression and what you like to eat, what you like to read, where you go surfing on the internet. We'll know you better than you know yourself. And so, The nations are angry and they want to wipe out all traces of the God of the Bible. And yet God laughs in heaven and he rebukes them. And he says, I've placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem on my holy mountain. That would be King Yeshua. And the king proclaims the Lord's decree. And the Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, as your possession. So we see the nations raging and pushing back against God because I believe we are rapidly approaching the end of days. 
and there's a final great spiritual battle that will go on between the descendants of Jacob and the descendants of Esau. And the spirit of Jacob, Jacob was a man of the tents, and he loved to study the word of God. And Esau was a man of the field, and he was bloody and hairy, and he was worldly and carnal and murderous, and he hated his brother Jacob. So we're seeing the descendants of Jacob and the descendants of Esau in a final great conflict. And in the end, God wins. Have a blessed day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Shalom. Adonai The Aaronic Blessing from Numbers chapter 6, 24 to 26. Adonai bless you and keep you. Adonai make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. Adonai lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.